to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's weird brunch Show me your pantsless bottom parts I'm actually wearing shorts. I exaggerated. Oh, Sorry. well, I know fucking, that's a fucking tease ass motherfucker. It's an audio tease format. Ass. I'm trying to increase our subscribers, but you called me on it and I didn't want to like, what is this? Yeah. Only sounds. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Lisa knows um, how to make all the sounds for only sounds. Oh, I God, can't. yeah, that squeal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to relive it <laughs> listening to this again. And again. And again. And again. I feel like some of those rounds, Whitney, were your own choice. But probably. I feel like you could be wrong. But whatever. Look, I can always be wrong. Um, I feel like you could be wrong. Oh, man. How, how's everyone's week been? I hate it. Just so great, right? Yeah. Just getting thrown back into the the outside world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm still avoiding it, and I'm starting to feel like maybe uh, I'm becoming a problem in my own life. Like I should go ahead and like end my quarantine. I have no mm-hmm. reason not to, other than just like habit. Yeah, I'm still not like going out and doing things and seeing people or anything like that. Well, do you want to like go grab a drink and dip a toe? No, No, I don't. (laughs) I didn't tell you where you were going to get to dip the toe. (gasps) Where? Well, now you'll never know. I think you're referring to a hot tub. Ooh, sure. I am manifesting a hot tub. Manifest a hot tub at a bar. Mm, no. That would be the worst. No. That would be <laughs> terrible. We sh- we can to... all go do a podcast for my parents' hot tub up in North Austin. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. It would be would fun. Be noisy. We could we could say we're doing that and I could just insert bubbly noises too. Just but light Karina, bubbles. There's multiple reasons and one of them is for you to not be at home. Oh, right. Mm. I forgot. Mm. There's a fine googling bubble noises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already doing that though. Oh, it's I so know. Convenient. She has them already pulled. It's playing in the background now. We just don't uh-huh. even know it. Mm-hmm. I just played a sound effect of a tight bong hit. Just, <laughs> I feel like it would sound like the sound in the background of when they like pan over a laboratory or something and it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, Erlenmeyer like, flasks. Bubbling mm-hmm. Erlenmeyer flasks. Monster yes. mash. Beakers. Mm-hmm. Fucking more Erlenmeyer flasks because I can't think of any graduated wow. cylinders. Oh, there there's, we go. there's I that one. Bitch. I got one. I got one. Um, <laughs> this really sound, does sound like only sounds at this point. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, look, welcome to the new podcast. Um, <laughs> yes. Just talking I, about ASMR, not doing it, just talking about it. Uh, what? Uh, I have two questions. They're completely unrelated, if you can even believe that. One, Delta 8, where'd that come from? Huh? 
I don't know what that is. It's a THC that's like Delta 9 is the illegal one in Texas. But they can sell Delta 8. You've seen it on Lamar. I I have read up on this. Okay. And I recently, I was like, hi, I wonder if you could just get that at like a head shop, which you can. But I went and got... God, I don't know. I went to a convenience store for something and like actually went inside and they had Delta eight thingies for sale, just like casual style next to like the penis pills and mm-hmm. butterfly lighters, you know, next to all the casual things. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, all yes, the yes, casual yes. things and the lottery tickets, mm-hmm. all that shit. What's that- the other question though? Well, <clears throat> well, like we're not now. I like we're to not done fast. with that one. I like to go fast, but fine, fine. <laughs> have we'll you, stay here. Did you buy it? No, I have red. I have like real weed. Yeah, well, this is also real <laughs> weed. Is I what know, I'm. But like, I'm I'm stocked up. You know, like I don't need it right now. Okay. Does that I mean just want to know? No, I just heard about it this weekend. Um, and then I drove by a sign twice and I was like, there's that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm mm-hmm. when uh, K2 came out initially, definitely fucked with that. Did at you? At least three <gasps> times until one time I hit the ground and my heart like fluttered or whatever. And I was like, oh. Well, this stuff isn't good. Straight up chemicals and people are like, their brains are burned from K2. Is K2 the same thing as spice? Yes. Okay. Well, (laughs) I was smarter (laughs) in 2010 than I was in 2012. Let's put it that way. K2 is a major, like that's just all chemicals. That's synthetic fake call it fake weed but that's not that's just all chemicals and it'll just rot your brain out yeah but i mean the first couple of times it was kind of dope there you go that's our girl yeah but i just was wondering the what's it called d8 what is it delta eight delta eight that stuff is actually just weed but with what like less like slightly less than illegal THC content? I don't know if it's less than content. I think it's a different uh, like breed Type. of THC. Jelly roll pens. Were y'all fans? Are you fans? And yes. did you know that the ink <laughs> yes. runs out so fucking fast? I don't yes. remember this growing up. Was that yeah. your second question? Yes, I told you. Fuck completely yeah. unrelated. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yes. they... Uh, that's a prized uh, that that's that's my kids go to choice at blazer tag when they get enough tickets from playing the games they always oh. go for a jelly roll pen so i'm very familiar with what they can and cannot do and how long they can and cannot do it for because i'm constantly yeah. dealing with dead jelly roll pens around the house i love a yeah. jelly roll pen i love a milk pen oh mm-hmm. the milk those pen. ones those were America's jelly rolls. I feel like those ran out very, very quickly as well. Mm-hmm. Or more so like dried up because they were like that nice, like milky consistency. I need they to go were buy some literally milk. like that. Yeah. It was yeah. just actual milk. <laughs> That's gross. I don't know why. It's not that really gross. Disgusting. It's yeah, gross it's because gross. you're like breast milk. That's yeah. why it's pink. 
or blue because if you have a boy baby, that's how you make <laughs> blue milk pens, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the idea that the milk is the color of the gender of the kid. <laughs> Like some sort of screwed up litmus test. Yeah. What's green? Mm. That's a good question. Why don't you mm. ask the lizard people? Why don't you go back there? Back there we person? go. There, there we go. See what's going on there. I think a green is a bacterial infection, if you must know. Ew. Ugh, it's mm. pus milk. Ew, no, that's the yellow kind. Blech. This is getting Oh, my God. Do you guys remember pen. pus milk pens? My Ew. fave. Yeah. Did that come with your garbage pail kid card? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I feel like garbage pail kids and milk pits were at least 10 years apart from each other. They were. Certainly. I mean. Pretty sure. Literally, but not spiritually. Not that you you can't have both. But. (laughs) It's a big world. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Dang. Well, welcome to Weird Brunch. Woo! Pull welcome. out your milk pins. Take a milky <laughs> chance on us. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait, what was that? I got I just got more mad at you for doing I'm the sorry. CJ version <laughs> that I have to hear. Of that fucking milky chance song. Just oh. how old is that song at this point? It's gotta be like five, seven. I bet it's even older. It's probably a depressingly. I'm gonna go seven. Okay. Now I want to look it up. Okay. Mm. What What's your guess, Whitney? Uh, I'm just gonna go for it and say ten. I feel like that's overshooting it, but mm. Milky Chance. Mm. If that song came out in. Oh my God! Was what? it 2012? <gasps> That's a long time ago. It was You're released right. in in Germany in 2012, mm. and it looks like it was maybe it hit us a year later. Okay, so you win because your closest without going over. Wait, it hit us in 2014, which would be um, <clears throat> seven years ago. Okay. That's what Spotify say says. For the record, but okay. I wanted to wait until the answer. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> In your fucking faces. In your feckin' face. <laughs> oh yeah. my God, I haven't said feckin' so long. That feels good. That, that made me think it's of a ring Abuse finger Town. flick off. <laughs> it, makes it made me you think of what? Mayor of Easttown. Oh. I don't she know has that a Philadelphia accent. Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Mayor M A R E. The way you said it, I was like, Mayor. Is that an old? No, I've been watching that. That show is fucking amazing. It's very good, but it is also very uh, funny when they like overdo the Philadelphia O's. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a good time. The word feck reminds me of uh, Almost Famous. I just watched that this weekend. The letter U. Um, Classic. So good. It is. Really nothing better. Except for Milky Chance. Except for Milky Chance Mm. and Spotlight. 
Oh God. <laughs> I always forget <laughs> that you're you're my one friend that's also like, yeah, I can watch that on a I Sunday. Regularly watch Spotlight. Okay. You just it's, really like that takedown, huh? It's so good. It's a good I, takedown. I love it is the it's a good, good movie. Investigative journalism, like all right, eat it <clears throat> up. And people that's, researching. That is what yeah. that fucking yes. That's honestly that's all I ever want to watch is <laughs> good, legitimate journalism or detective work. That's all mm -hmm. I want. I'm um, I just started that Sons of Sam show that uh came out yesterday on netflix or today on netflix hmm? um and it's about what you think it's about but i'm also not 100 percent because i was half paying attention because i was also uh, working on this but uh -huh. it's about how like this one um i think it was a journalist he was like there's no way it could have been one person absolutely not and so it's that's the first episode is basically like, hey, here's a refresher on Berkowitz. And mm -hmm. then it's that guy being like, it can't just be him. Um, okay. So I'm going to maybe plow through all of that tonight. Do we think it was <laughs> the it. other JFK assassin who was helping with that as well? Mm -hmm. You mean Woody Harrelson's dad? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mr. Harrelson. He did all of the 60s and 70s crime. <laughs> All of it. Yeah, All every single part of it. Mm -hmm. Him and the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone had to do it. Yeah. Yes. We need crime. Supply and yeah. demand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Who's going to keep those cops busy, you know? Yeah, what? Homeless people? Forget I mean, about it. Where would we be forensically if shit hadn't been happening? Like, solid question. I mean. <laughs> it's true think about that uh <laughs> yay did y'all say your names mm -mm. no i refuse i plead the fifth on that we didn't shit. say it last yeah. time and i feel like it's important yeah we did i don't uh -uh. think we did it's weird what? that i remember we, we did didn't not, but we did not i think we said mm. the name of our show but i do not think we said our names i'm gonna roll back the tape well i'm gonna i'm lisa friedrich Okay. I'm Whitney Lamond. I already said my name last time, so uh, you don't That's need to know Karina that. That's Karina Magyar, and she was <laughs> sipping tea slowly and staring from at us. Broncos mug. A Broncos That's mug. Right. Represent. <laughs> Go Broncos. <laughs> yeah, may I guess. I, I don't know. May I <laughs> never forget where you're from? <laughs> you may never. Never, I may ever. never. You may never. I do not grant the permission. Who's gonna? Who's gonna? Who's gonna regale us? Who's That's gonna, a good question. Wicked, wicked. Uh, I have a kind of short one. Yay! If we want a short one, whip out your short one. Let us see it. Like, whip it out. You can see it wow, when it's I whip it at that bar hot tub. Yeah. Bar hot tub. To be fair, my dream ultimate vacation is just sitting at a swim up bar. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Not necessarily a hot tub. Hot tub's kind of grosser mm -hmm. because I will be peeing in it. Like yeah. that's the beauty of a swim up bar is that you do not have to get out of anywhere mm -hmm. because you're that's just going to mm -hmm. fucking pee it out. 
Yeah. Yep. That's the main. But I don't purpose. like the idea of hot bubbling pee. I'd rather have like a Blech. cool, Blech. you know, someone's kid swimming around in the other end of the pool, like splashing it away from me kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cold kid pee. Got it. Yes. Pee. Mixed in with my old lady warm mm-hmm, yeah. hot pee. Can okay, I have a gin is, and tonic this is- in this cold kid pee? <laughs> All right, we've been flagged. Good job. We that, that put us on the radar. Oh uh, God, I'm going to my best friend's house at the end of the month. I guess that's see, I'm, I'm getting out of the house, and uh, she has apparently uh, a wood-fired hot tub. Oh damn! Wood-powered. Yeah, that sounds it, it seems cool, but also like a pain in the ass. Like a bad idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> like but how do you control Oregon. the temperature? You just blow on the wood until it goes oh. out. Now like, we're on a list. Are you just in there until you think you might start to cook uh-huh. yourself? And you're yeah. like, oh, maybe I'll get out. Huh? Okay. It's it's in Oregon, so I guess when the beaver gets out, that's when it's too hot. Oh, my God. Uh, that's what she said. Lisa, so tell us people, your story. So, so we'll many stop people have about all these things. Canceled us just in their own minds because we've done uh, nothing wrong. Um. Yeah. Well, first, happy Cinco de Mayo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Which, by the way, has nothing to do with my story. Oh, oh. God. Uh, I want to talk about the original Tinder. Ooh, Grinder. Um, no. Before that, before that, I would think. I also just recently learned about Field. It's just the back page of the Chronicle. Uh Before that, before Craigslist. Before oh, the Great Pyramids of Giza. After that. Okay. So we're going <laughs> to um, just set the stage here. It's okay. June. Mm. It's 1871. Season of the Sucks. Gemini. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the age of Aquarius. <laughs> uh, a 24-year-old seamstress named Sarah Baines from Louisiana mm-hmm. arrives at Fort Bridger after months of traveling 1,500 miles with no roads, again, it's 1871, and she was alone. So why did she do this? For a man. (laughs) Girl, Uh, put it together. I know. Was she wearing a diaper? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was a swim-up trip. Um, So Fort Bridger, just side note, remote military and trading outpost at the crossroads of a few pioneer trails in what would become Wyoming. So this woman went from Louisiana to Wyoming, no roads (laughs) by herself, took months. Okay. The man. I'm already impressed. I know. Yeah, I like her. Yeah. She's got gumption. It's like the most Louisiana badass woman thing ever. Yeah, this yeah whole it's thing a very is- Louisiana badass thing to go from Louisiana to Wyoming under any circumstances, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. leaving the state in general is hard. Okay. Um, <laughs> the man is Jay Hemsley. He's 48 years old. He's a farmer from Ohio 
Uh, and mm. he's trying to get his fortune out west. Now's the time. So how'd they meet? Glad you asked. Uh, the dude, Jay, responded to an ad placed in <clears throat> the matrimonial pages of oh. Frank Leslie's Illustrated Weekly. But who's? Everyone's familiar. Um, mm-hmm. So they start out the same way you start out on the apps. They're chatting, writing letters mm-hmm. over a year typical same thing with the apps before he proposed same thing with the apps uh Mm. they married the day after she arrived at fort bridger and the day after that they left to open a general store in california these two (laughs) were married for 51 years wow which also means his ass lived to be 99 Wow. Which is, I think, maybe more, the most impressive part of this whole thing. Um, uh, Wyoming's got dry air, so you know that's a good it preserves point. you. Yeah, they also uh, they were in the Sierra Nevada area of California, which had all the springs and stuff. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um. So during the 19th mm. century, America is expanding like crazy. Uh, it's unprecedented, if you will. I won't. Uh, Mm -hmm. Reminder, the 19th century was kicked off by the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, which doubled the size of America. So this whole century is started with, hey, we've got too much of this thing. Um, (laughs) So then, like right after that, we start getting millions of more square miles tacked on to this too much of a thing we already have just more and more square miles from wars and purchases and naturally killing and removing indigenous people. You know, we just keep getting it. We have too much. Let's keep taking too much. Let's take more. Yeah. Keep being Um, assholes. Just keep it going. Yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. that guy at the party that fucking holds the joint all night. Like get Mm -hmm. the fuck out of here. Um, White men. We're usually the first to move into these new lands. Um, what kind of men? White. White. Ah. W ah. or just Y-T. What? Um, so an example in 1840, men outnumbered women two to one in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Is that uh, still the case? I feel like it might be. Mm. Um, the farther west... The fewer women. An example in 1859, a California newspaper said male settlers outnumbered women 200 to one. Ooh, that's expensive. California. Uh, so they're just tossing land out to folks and they're just hoping that they'll chill out and settle. And it's not the best way to go about it. And the government knows this. Like they can't just keep giving all of these acres of land to these single men because these single men are single men and they're not going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. One homesteading. stereotype. I know. It, it, but honestly, 320 yeah. acres any one person's going to take care of that? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, one of the homesteading acts offered 320 acres to single dudes, but 640 to married couples. Let's just be honest. Married dudes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, single dudes, you know, they can't 
manage the land or keep a house. My God, why are we even talking about it? So (laughs) how do we get these dudes who went out there some fucking wives? How do we get them out there? Well, the same way we get uh, them information in the 19th century newspapers. We've got steam powered news printing presses for the newspapers. Now we've got newspapers fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, can they easy. read? We don't can, know. Look, probably if not. If they're there, they alone, can look at pictures of chicks. That's true. Yes. We, we don't see pictures. Uh, just descriptions. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Sorry. Your version of just, Tinder is terrible. Um, I, ne- I just always put memes. I never put a photo. Um, the <laughs> yeah, steam printing press. So yeah, they're everywhere. They're cheaper. They're more widespread. Um, and then the first personal ad in America was placed in the Boston Evening Post in 1759. So they were very sporadic before now. They're about to take off a hundred years later. And it just said any young lady between the age of 18 and 23 of middling stature, brown hair of good morals, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. (sighs) Middling stature. Hmm. (laughs) That is hot. (laughs) I love a middling stature. Um, (laughs) By the end of the century, newspapers in every state carried these ads. By the mid-1800s, personal ads are a regular section of newspapers. Some folks start selling broadsheets. <laughs> Wink. Get hey, it? Got uh, it? Like a broad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full of them. Uh, got it. Got it. One of them was called matrimonial news. Ew. Do you think they had, do you think it was spelled like matrimon, M-O-A-N? Like <laughs> monial. I, yeah, I hope so. I don't think the That's... one that that this is referencing, but I'm certain there was like another one that was. That was like the sluttier version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one that you had to like get after you got done in the textile farm or whatever mm-hmm. factory. And then you it's go the get your sold. matrimonial. They, they sold it at the five and dime with the black sheet over the cover. <gasps> oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah, the yeah. It was actually just covered with like coal dust, and then you get it, and you could like wipe the coal dust away, and Mm -hmm. there were the matrimonial Mm -hmm. women. Got it. That's why. Mm -hmm. That's why um, preteen boys always had faces full of soot. (laughs) They were licking the pages. I'm a I'm a chimney sweep. I is. Yeah, that's what they would say. But turns Mm -hmm. out, yeah. They did have a they were long, still bristly stick. Child laborers, <laughs> but there was shit going on. <sighs> uh, um, so, as markets, I threw out my mark. I know it's fine. I'm gonna oh, die. Does somebody fine. get this pinch of gin and tonic and some cold kid I mean, pee for real. <laughs> <laughs> the cold kid pee is only to mix with my own pee, so it doesn't float around my body, and it like you know. Yeah, I'm just trying to get you all the mixers you need, okay? (laughs) Exactly. That's quite a cocktail. Oh, Uh, (laughs) so markets are expanding as the country did with railroads, telegraphs. We're getting more newspapers, more newspapers, papers, papers, papers. Um, But does this go two ways? Oh, yes, bitch. 
So while all these dudes are on huge tracts of land with nothing but their hand, uh, a ton of women are like chilling on the East Coast. Actually, in 1837, Philadelphia paper reports a sub- super abundance of women in urban areas. A super abundance. <laughs> it's too yeah, like many kind of women. Abundance I like, yeah, mm-hmm. millions of acres of them. Uh, so it's grazing. Yeah, just grazing, grazing, <laughs> living in soot. Um, just like an avatar. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually the East Coast did look like Avatar in the 1830s. <laughs> it's the a uh, hundred years later, the you know the stock market crash. That's what made mm. it look different. So uh, it it is again 1837. So all women do is raise kids and keep house. So like, what the fuck are they doing? Uh, there were some working, uh, options, I guess, but it was trash. So like, you know, well, I don't know. Fuck it. Let's go find a frontier man. Right. So women in the East coast are actively placing marriage ads and they're looking for, uh, men out West. Uh, if an example is, uh, in 1880, a woman of Fall River, Massachusetts, placed her ad in the weekly Arizona Miner. M I N E R in foot of Prescott. Hold on, sorry, different, different, different. Oh yeah, but yeah, it depends on. Well, I guess. Mm, uh, and it just said wanted a few gentlemen correspondents with a view to matrimony by a middle-aged widow lady. Widow lady is capitalized. How hey. many how many letters did she get? What? Oh, I don't they didn't follow up with that. Oh, I thought that I'm was sorry. 57. I thought that was like the I'll seance her after follow up. Let me know. Um I will. So going out west this way as a woman, you at this time, you are risking death violence and isolation. And that is very well known at this point. Um, But the East coast was such shit. They didn't give a fuck. They're like, I don't care. I'm going to cross all of these planes. uh, And, and, you know, just fucking he, I'm going to get there and I don't know what the fuck I'm walking into. This guy could be, you know, two feet tall with a really bad attitude. Who knows? He, could be covered in cold kid pee. (laughs) So how is 19th century America talking about these fucking ads? Because you know people fucking talk. I remember when Tinder came out, I was like, y'all crazy. Absolutely not. Uh, And then I was on it. But (laughs) um, so people are finding these amusing. Some of them are skeptical. Mm -hmm. This is also true of Tinder. And they were uh, freaked out a little. So kind of all the same things we all feel about the apps. Mm-hmm. Um, they're worried about a breakdown of society because all classes, people of all classes are represented yeah. in ads. So, <gasps> And some Scandalous. of the ads, hold on to your assholes. Some of the ads were clearly transactional. Hmm. Wink. I know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Sex work. Yes, um, we do. Horny for sex work. 
Yeah. Uh, and then by the 1970s, some of the ads were looking for marriage and some of them were looking for, quote, fun. So they had just given in entirely. Newspapers were also like, ding, ding, ding. We know people like to talk about this stuff. So they start covering the marriage ads and like following up. Some of them are amusing. Like, oh, this guy, he received hundreds of letters and locks of hair and he can't put everything in a place and people keep sending him shit. And then uh, there's like, oh, a woman responded as a joke, but then she actually fell for the guy. So like, you know. Mm-hmm. nice like news <laughs> 90 day fiance yes yeah. but you just have to it's one country um so other st- stories fueled some panic um that you know, these kinds of marriages are dangerous if you don't you know know each other or like run in the same circles um, one of those stories, the uh, Los Angeles Herald reported in 1897 that a 32-year-old man shot and killed his, quote, heavily insured 19-year-old wife. Bummer. Whom, mm-hmm, uh, whom he met through. An, uh, uh-huh. That's weird. I is mean, it? you know what it is. We all know what was going on there. Transactional. Mm-hmm. That's the other gotten the business end transactional. <laughs> um, so of course they also you know share some of the happy endings that are less like amusing, like you know how those first two were fucking hilarious. It's less of that and less of the murder, and more like oh look, everybody's doing great. So then that's gonna fucking fuel people to be like oh this works out most of the time. So then we're just gonna keep that going. It's business, baby. Um, so. Uh, they're like, okay, there's evidence that this works. Um, and then just like there is now there's evidence that this works. So just to tie it, tie it in a little baby bow. Um, same. So I know I've been talking about Tinder a lot. It's just the first one that comes to mind, but they, this is from, um, Atlas Obscura and they wanted to also kind of bring in that it's rural, I hate that word, but like rural areas are still like, it's hard to find people there because the societal circles aren't as big period. That's just, there's no, so you have to kind of turn to the internet. So we've got only farmers, um, farmers (laughs) only. Yeah. We've got farmer wants a wife.com. Oh, that's old McDonald's. For sure. And then in the UK, there's Muddy Matches. Um, Aww. Yeah. That's adorable. I know. So they're carrying on this tradition kind of of these 19th century personal ads. They're trying to like, you know, hey, I, I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. But also in the last few years, especially this last year, even though a lot of people say it happened more than it did. People have been moving out of the cities and into, you know, more low key areas where they're not paying fucking seven million dollars for the full house house or whatever the fuck. Um, So these things are popping off more and more. Like I thought for sure that like farmers only or only farmers, whichever one it is, like I thought for sure that would be dead by now. No, no, it is. Yep. 
going strong. Um, I think it's farmers only, only, but I think you're saying only farmers because you're in your mind it's like only fans, but it's for farmers and you might subscribe to only farmers and you're just like letting that out. And I'm proud of you for that. Hey, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um so let's see. Oh, Andrew Mitchell of Muddy Matches says, I think the slower pace of life that lockdown has brought has given the nation breathing space to think about what's really important. Um, the countryside has been, you know, it's a beautiful place, blah, 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 rather than a necessary escape from social and financial pressures. Just fucking go chill. Um, so that was, you know, in the 19th century, it was like you had to get the fuck out of the East coast, but now it's like a, Hey, I want mm. to chill. Mm. Yeah. I feel so. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the first, uh, apps, dating apps <laughs> that I'm aware terrible. Of. Yeah. I I remember doing a story. One of us did a story about a woman who lured a bunch of basically, not mail order husbands, but husbands she lured to her place through ads back then and like took out life yeah. insurances on them and killed a bunch of them for to get their money. I yeah, that was like the inspiration for arsenic and old lace, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um anyways, it's a good classic move. Yeah. For uh Life insurance play is always making money. You know, they never catch you. <laughs> they never catch you, ever. Never. Fail proof. Mm-hmm. Well, Karina, you feel like going next? Or you want me to? Ah, uh, yeah, I can go next. We're uh, this. This is this is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Someone sounds convincing. Let's talk about eels. Oh, E E L S. E E L S. Or if you're Japanese, U N A G I. Unagi. Mm-hmm. Isn't, hold on, wait. Question. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. unagi and unago like one is freshwater and one is saltwater, right? Oh, I don't know. I have not heard that and I did not read that in my articles. But oh, maybe. Sure. Here's Whatever. the thing. They don't know without a DNA test. That's what this story is about. So here's the thing with eels. People, people have been eating eels for fucking ever. They were like a staple of the diet of people in England, like from the start of people being in England. And they uh, became a staple of sushi in 1399. They have the first written... um, confirmation of somebody eating unagi kabayaki um and eel farming started in japan in 1879 primarily to feed the craze for unagi like it's just seen as one of the better sushi type dishes i mean it is delicious it is amazingly good, good but eel farming is tricky because you can't get those wiggly squirmy eels to fuck in captivity 
They're like pandas, but worse. They just won't do it. They've never, ever, ever once gotten eels to make baby eels in a fish tank. No reason. No, nobody knows why. It's like the vanilla thing. Remember with the vanillas? They couldn't get the vanillas mm-hmm, to fuck until mm-hmm. like that one little slave figured it out. Except they haven't had any uh, slaves around slave boys to figure it out this time. So, so eels are beans. Got it. it. Kind of. They're the beans of the sea. Oh. Um, <laughs> here's how they work in the Atlantic. So in the Pacific, they grow all up and down the eastern coast. They swarm, they sperm, they populate, and they grow little baby eels. And then that's what the fishermen catch is the little baby eels called glass-ish, glass eels, or elvers, which is kind of cute. Mm-hmm. So the elvers actually are the babies, and they grow into glass eels, which are the ones that you can then put into a farm tank and then grow to full size and then sell to a fish market. So they're constantly having to go out and catch babies. Ew. Um, yeah, constantly. And they've been doing it in Japan since 1879, and then they grow the eels to be really nice and big and fat, and then they chop them up and they eat them. But uh, since they've been doing that since 1879, and since Japan just can't stop eating eels, the eels in Asia that naturally occurred are like gone. I mean, they're still around, but there's not nearly enough to keep up with demand, and they're basically poof. And the only ones uh, remaining are highly protected and only farmed in Japan, and Japanese unagi or Japanese eel is highly praised as supposedly the best-tasting of the three species of edible eel. What are those three species? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So the incredible edible eel. Those are the three species. (laughs) There's also the European ones that, uh, the ones that they ate in the river Thames in London and all throughout Northern Europe. I bet. And then there's the American eel that has a very special life cycle It only grows in the Sargasso Sea in the Caribbean near the Antilles in those really warm waters that are full of seaweed. I guess that's a great place to raise eel babies because they look like the seaweed and nobody eats them. They grow there. And then because of the way the currents work, those same currents that brought Christopher Columbus and all those fucking horses and shit. um, Those currents take take those eel babies the Atlantic. So all the European eel and all the American eel come from the Sargasso Sea in the Caribbean. All of them. Every single fucking one. Can't grow them anywhere else. That's wild. Is the plural literally is the plural of eels eel? Like deer. It's eels. No, it's you can put it. You were talking about like this is the Whatever yeah, brand, <laughs> she's giving us the eel deal. Fish brand, you know? yeah, yeah. The eel, the eel, the eel, the real eel, the, the eelio dealio. Okay, God. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm a mess. Okay, so in the 1980s, sushi exploded globally, and with it, eel eating. And now, oh, these poor eels. Oh, they're just getting farmed to fucking death. And uh, place after place, especially Europe um, and Asia, locked down, um, cracked down on eel wild catching, try to license it, try to control it. And American eel is pretty much now the only thing going on the market because 
there are three entities where you can still illegally go out into the water with your net and catch baby eels. Canada, the whole damn thing, but they just do it in northeastern Canada. Maine, the state just nobody Maine. thinks about. But yeah, Maine. and South Carolina. Oh. That's it. Now Maine, I feel Canada. bad for eating eel sushi. I'm actually, I'm okay with Maine because Maine just wants all of the sea life. They want to be the sea state. Yeah. Their nickname but, is the Pine Tree State, so I don't know. If that, well, they anyway. fucked up back there. <laughs> they sure did, but Rhode Island already took the Ocean State and Massachusetts took the Bay State. Don't get me started on state nicknames. Okay, so the, <laughs> the fisheries in Maine were highly regulated uh, starting in the 1990s, 1994 or something. But at the time, this is before the collapse of uh, European market. And so at the time, there was only 437 eel fishing licenses available to everybody in the state. And it was mostly seen as a scrap fish by fishermen who had given up on life. <sighs> they would go out. What fisherman hasn't given up on life? They would go out and they'd catch their little glass eels and they would come back with pounds and pounds of them and basically try to give them away. 1990s, they were like 10 bucks a pound. In 2000, though, after the European fisheries started to dry up and Europe started locking down on it, the price went up. 423 license holders are now getting $25 a pound in 2000. Ten years later, it hit $185 a pound. And now all those people who had locked in eel fishing licenses were like, holy shit, we're making a living. Getting kind of flush. Doing pretty well. The eel fishing thing is a real thing. 2010, are you kidding me? $185 a pound. Let the good times roll. Maine is back. Two years later, the price hit $2,000 a pound. Whoa. This is, so like an eel license is the Dogecoin of the sea. Yes. All of a sudden, eel licenses went from being valuable to being fucking valuable. $2,000 a pound. One fisherman who'd been doing it since the 90s said that he made $25,000 on his first night of the season in 2012 when things exploded. Things exploded. The Chinese are everywhere trying to buy up baby eels. They're all over the world because they can't get them anymore from their own seas. It completely collapsed there. Japan's locked down their fisheries. So you've got Chinese people just throwing cash around to keep up with the, the demand for eels. And prices are skyrocketing for Nagi, so it's still all making a ton of money for everybody. So what happened was that there was people taking advantage of this as middlemen. There's a guy named Bill Sheldon, who the media called the Elver Kingpin. <laughs> and he would go, uh, they have a photo of him sitting in the back of his pickup truck in Maine with a big giant duffel bag filled with $250,000 of cash straight from the bank. And he's just handing out wads of dough to fishermen as they come in to buy their shit for $2,000 a pound. Cause he knows he can drive it up the road and sell it to a Chinese person, uh, Chinese businessman for $2,500 a pound, net himself 500 bucks. And the nice thing was the fishermen, since they were conducting this in cash, 
could walk up to the truck, grab their wad of cash, empty out their eels in his cooler, then go to the game and wildlife. And, oh man, tough day. Didn't catch anything and still have their full mm-hmm. limit of catch for the season. So every single eel fisherman or elver, as they were called, is out there just literally pulling pounds of dough out of the sea, just pounds of cash and uh, making literally millions of dollars on eel <laughs> in Maine. Weird shit. You could make $100,000 a week. God. It literally was more valuable than gold for two years. So... As you can imagine, there's a lot of fucking crime around this. All of a sudden, yeah, how many people were murdered? Dangerous. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nobody's been murdered yet because this spun up real fast. I mean, this is like in two years, it went from, oh, okay, to like, holy shit. There was one guy named Tommy Water Zhu who was based out of Brooklyn. And Tommy Water Zhu in 2013 was one of those Chinese middlemen who was like kind of just doing some arbitrage on like, if I pay him at the ocean, I get the lowest possible market price and then I can jack it up when I get back to China. Pretty quickly, the U S fish and wildlife service put into a, in effect, a sting operation called, uh, what was it called? Operation broken glass. I mean, it's not terrible. They've done worse. I'm surprised anyway. they didn't call it Operation Sting Operation. <laughs> Operation Sting Operation. So two undercover fish and wildlife officers, which is a thing that apparently you can do as a job, uh, go back to Tommy Waterjew's office where he offers them $1,500 a pound for black market eels. And he said, my office is a safe place to do business as no- long as nobody has a big mouth. The undercover officers are kind of looking at each other like, yeah, okay, this guy's an idiot. Let's do it. Let's get in on this. So they come back a couple days later and say, hey, can we work as a team? We'll go down to the shore, do the dirty work, buying the stuff right off the, right off the fishermen and bring it back to you. And he said, yeah, we can work as a team. I'll cut you in on my entire business. But just know that if you betray me, I will pay $200,000 to have each one of you killed. And the undercover officers were like, Cool, you're under arrest. Say that for again. That. Yep. He. Yep. Yeah. Say that again into the flower right. lapel. So this guy's an idiot. Uh, he's a double idiot because he gets arrested by that, uh, and and for also exporting eleven boxes of undeclared elvers from New York to Hong Kong, which was like, I don't know, eleven, twelve pounds worth a couple hundred thousand dollars, whatever. Um. So he goes to jail for just like a little bit because they prosecute him with the minimum recommended sentencing. And he's like, ha, 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 you hit me with a parking ticket. I'm going to do my time. And then you'll see. And he gets out, goes right back to doing the shit he was doing. They go right back to surveilling him, <laughs> knowing that he's going to do it worse. And uh, sure enough, he uh, took a cooler. Where is it? 105 pounds of illegally harvested elvers in the cooler or about 210,000 individual baby eels and exported them to Hong Kong again from JFK. Again, they caught them. These eels and in their current state were worth a million dollars in their full grown state would have been worth $50 million street. Wow. Yeah. 
So they're busting $50 million drug rings, except the drugs are eels. Are eels. Which is, <laughs> which is weird. So uh, they estimate that there is still about $5 million in illegal uh, eel trafficking going on through Maine. Weirdly, I cannot find any information about the fishing licensing in South Carolina. I'm guessing millions and millions of dollars are also being trafficked through South Carolina, but everybody just shrugs and says it's South Carolina. If we try to take it away from them, they'll secede. So whatever. Um, So it's all focused on Maine. Uh, There are a couple of people in Maine who are starting legal fishing uh, farms like they have in Japan now that there's so much money in it. And they're trying to be transparent and do it like as official business with chefs and like, hey, it's all legal and we only do the limited amount. And yeah, we charge higher prices, but that's because we have a limit on how much we can yank out of the sea. Um, But obviously it's not going well. (laughs) Um, It's pretty tough because there's like just this stigma about illegal eels. Now, speaking of illegal eels in Japan, technically any eel that is served at a restaurant that's not from Japan is illegal, go to jail. You have to only serve Japanese eel. But of course, most of this eel is going to Japan, right? Mm -hmm. The trick is you can't taste the difference. You can't see the difference. You can't smell the difference. And most of this is getting shipped underneath like bags of mussels in like a double bottomed cooler that dogs aren't trained to sniff out eels. Like it's just real easy to smuggle these wigglers. I feel like I know you probably read about it, but I do feel like, you know, a little too much about eel smuggling. (laughs) I am so into this. I love it. I want to go into eel fishing. It's the best. Um, So anyway, they've got this dude in Japan who is DNA testing eel just randomly walking oh, around to Jesus. convenience stores and sushi places, buying eel and Take DNA testing it. Nap. <laughs> God. He is now one of the most hated people in Japan and has had like I his life threatened. He's a fucking eel narc, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's figuring out where these eels came so, from the same way I found my birth mother. I, Fuck off, I will say I... I feel like we probably need like a thousand more of him considering how it sounds like the population of eels in the world is getting drastically depleted by all of yeah. us eel eaters. Okay, Whitney. We well, here's the controversy. Love, whatever. Fuck that guy. Here's the controversy. So apparently, according to all the 423 licensed fishermen in Maine, it's totally cool. This is way overblown. They can pull as much eel as they want out of the water and there's still clouds of eel. Like it's not a fucking problem. The limits are arbitrary. Um, And only there because other places fisheries have collapsed, but that since they're so close to the source current wise of the Sargasso Sea, don't fucking worry about it. We're cool. The limit does Um, not exist. I feel like that's wrong. uh, The U.S. uh, Department of whatever whichever one does endangered species, I forget wildlife had tried to make, put eels on the endangered species list twice. Both times it's been shut down by scientists who've been like, "Eh, it's getting risky, but they're not endangered. It's fine. And Canada is just like, well, we're not going to put ours on the endangered list if the U S doesn't, because this is like the entire economy of new Brunswick or whatever. (laughs) So, the the Northeast is like not, meanwhile, the rest, like the EU, 
classified eel on the same level as fucking pandas, which is also ridiculous. Like they're at risk of collapsing, but they're not pandas. They're still eel. They're hardy. You can grow them in a fishery and they like will survive anything. Um, they're it's not, not that hard. It's just too dumb to procreate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're too dumb to procreate in captivity, but they're fucking just fine in the, in the Dominican. Right. Now here's the problem. Sargasso sea, right? Here's where the problem is. Everything was hunky dory until the Chinese started going to the Dominican Republic and Haiti, which is right next to the Sargasso Sea, which is where all the baby eels are and the source for the entire world's eel. Before this, it was commonly accepted that you need the glass eels, the little juvenile glass eels, because if you, they're not good enough to transport until they hit that age. Now oh, the Chinese are buying them. The tiny baby, the tiny baby elvers, just the teeny baby elvers that might die, might not, but we're just going to suck them all up out of the ocean, throw half of them at Japan. And then if another half of those die, so be it, they can still raise them. Mm. And they're cutting deals in this cash money, stacks and stacks of cash in the Dominican Republic and Haiti, where, uh, thank you. That's a lot of money, right? Zombies. Oh, deals. So in the last... In the last year and a half, there has been a Yakuza in level, a level, a huge increase in like Yakuza style crime in Dominica, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Antigua and Barbuda. All these little like Caribbean island nations are on the Sarcasso Sea where the Chinese are just dropping in with hundreds of thousands of dollars of American cash and saying, giving it to anybody who can pull an eel out of the ocean. <laughs> Dang. Correct. And now they're talking about doing a global ban on eel fishing and trying to regulate it at the UN for that reason. It's crazy. So now we're getting into like, well, okay, it's market supply demand. Who morally has a right to the eel? Why is it okay for the white people in Maine to fish it, but we can't let money rain down on the Caribbean? That would mm-hmm. be bad. Like, it's that whole thing. But while the law tries to catch up to the morals of that, innocent people are getting murdered over pounds by these of eels. baby fish by the eels the, yes the eels are coming to the ground and they're like fuck you quit stealing mm-hmm. our babies and now they're killing people i need by it way, if you do want to buy a pound of japanese eel one pound of japanese eel it costs seventy thousand dollars hmm. isn't that like a like Over. a an american pound or a yeah, this is all American. Okay. I don't know, but they Americanized everything. So, like one American pound is seventy thousand American dollars of a full-grown Japanese eel. Dang. I guess we'll start a GoFundMe, and that's only like a chunk of that eel. Like, mm-hmm. I'm waiting. I want. I want um, a Netflix series about this, starring Jason Bateman. And him and his family, you know, have to go and become eel farmers and, like, make their way into that. Along the lines of Ozark, that's what I'm... Oh, I was thinking Arrested Development. Not Arrested Development. (laughs) Ozark. It was very funny in my head. (laughs) It would be a really good money laundering scheme for that character because, like, once you exchange cash for eels, the black market for that is just, like, here. here's... It's literally a perfect way to launder money. Cash for eels also sounds like a great... (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Start putting those signs Pull out your eels. Yes. No matter what shape they're in, mm-hmm. sell we, us your eels, cash for eels. We buy ugly eels. Um, <laughs> so much fun stuff with that. Well, mm-hmm. uh, so are they dying out? Yeah, they're, it's, you know, when it comes to fishing, it's like they're on the verge of, they could collapse. And once they collapse, like it'll be a precipitous decline. And maybe they're on the verge of that depends on who you listen to. Like basically the market wants to kill them off. And there's a valiant fight to say, like, if you just chill out and charge more money for eel to the point where people stop eating so goddamn much of it, but it's a vicious cycle because what's happening is that the eel gets more expensive, which makes it more of a luxury good. So now people want it more and they're paying more. And the more they're willing to pay, the more it costs. And it's like just this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the point is, when was the last time you had Unagi? I legit had Month some. Ago? Yeah, like a couple weeks ago. It is rubbery. No, you're no going to the right. wrong fucking places, dude. <laughs> Where'd you get it at? Where'd you eat that in Nagi? It's been so long that I was like, no, thank you. This is rubbery. You're eating that wrong. I don't know. Maybe you could be the the octopus. Yeah, are you sure? Oh, fuck. It may have been octopus, which also shouldn't be. Shouldn't be rubbery, but wouldn't. Or rubbery. (laughs) Wouldn't be as. Anyways. Rubber. Okay. Sorry. Oh man. Okay. Now I have to go eat eel just to make sure I was talking about the right thing. Karina, you just killed another eel. <laughs> well, as long as you get a sustainably farmed eel from Maine. Right. Do a DNA test before you eat <laughs> from it. From Maine. Where it's mm-hmm. totally cool there. Mm-hmm. All right. This has nothing to do with eels, unfortunately. Oh. But I hope it'll still be fun. Okay, so picture your mom. Uh-uh. Right? Oh, There's which your mom. one? <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> A motherly figure of your choosing. And you're her daughter, and you know, like it's the early 1900s, like in 1920s, 1930s, and you're like, <sighs> Fucking religion is a thing. I want to do my own shit. Um, what can we do? What kind of religious following can we build to benefit ourselves? And your mom's mm-hmm. like, bitch, you know, we got to start a cult. And sh- you're like, yeah, mom, let's fucking do it. And that's what these two ladies did. I'm talking about the Blackburn cult. Which um, was created by a mother and daughter in the early 1900s. A 41-year-old Matilda May Blackburn. She went by May. Uh, She and her 24-year-old daughter, Ruth Wyland Arizio, uh, started something. You don't sound related at all. Yeah. I mean, she got married. 
So she changed her last name there. She's not like a young girl. She's 24. She's and back then, you know, like you're, she was an old crusty at 24. Her mom's like, I was hoping you were going to say Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That would have been awesome. Ruth Weiland Rizzio in 1922. These two ladies are like, guess what y'all we're, We've been talking to the angels, Gabriel and Michael. They came down and appeared to to us and they were like, guess what, girls? Y'all are the, quote, two witnesses that are described in the book of Revelations 11.3. That little verse I have it pulled up says... And I will give my power to two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a 2,203 score days, which is like, I think, 1,260 days. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I'll trust you on that. So they're like, guess what? We have like divine marching rights. We. They've appointed us to write a book of divine knowledge and revelation over the next few years, those 1260 days. And when we're done writing this book, a harbinger of imminent apocalypse is going to come and the fucking apocalypse is going to happen. We're going to call our book Mm. the seventh trumpet of Gabriel. And then they were like, just oh, kidding. We're going to change that book. After a couple of years, they were like, we're just going to call it the Great Sixth Seal. Because it's, is it the seventh seal that has to be broken before the apocalypse yeah. happens? Yeah. Yes. According to the movies I have seen. Yes. Yes. Okay, Isn't good. This like Which I'm sure we're well researched. Isn't this like a whole section of the new, chilling new adventures of Sabrina or whatever? I feel like it is. Please keep going. Probably. Probably. I only watched that yeah. first season. Anyway, so they said also their book is going to reveal lost measurements that pinpoint hidden riches and oil deposits around the globe. And guess what? People are fucking into that. And they In the 1930s? Yeah. And well, this is 1922 when they establish it. And you want to know what they called it? The Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven. Okay. In short, they called it. Not catchy enough. For short, they called it the Great Eleven Club. Pew. Which. That's better. Right? I agree. So much better. It's a TV show. Yeah. Is this where the 700 Club (laughs) is? Right. Uh, Ruth and May are like, we're the queens and high priestesses of our new cult. Uh, Ruth, the daughter, is very successful at um, kind of luring men into their cult and convincing Uh them to give him give them money. She was Uh a failed actress and a dancer. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily say that she kind of what. So, okay. You said that this didn't have to do with eels. Hold on. Okay. Let me walk this back. (laughs) Yes. 
So when a woman in a cult goes out and like flirts with a dude and brings him back, it's called fishing. Okay, please keep going. All right, Uh, there we go. Yep, they're called Elvers. Elvers. So (laughs) Ruth would go out, eel around uh, for these dudes, get them to come back and join their cult. And she's like, great, y'all come back. Give me some money. You can be part of our cult. And, you know, once me and my mom are done writing this fucking book, we're going to let you take a look at it before we unveil it to the world and the apocalypse happens so you can, like, make some money. One of those followers was a guy named Clifford Dabney, and he was the nephew. She was offering divine insider trading, basically? Yes. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Uh, That is so cool. I love it. Clifford Dabney. He's the nephew of an oil magnate who is like, I'm totally into this. Here's 50 grand in cash, which was about $750,000 in today money. And they're like, yeah, yeah, cool. Come on, like, hang out with us. We're totally going to finish this book eventually. Um, Like we said, we'll show you the lost measurements. And he's like, great. I also am going to give you a good, like 160 acres worth of land in the Santa Susana area of Ventura Mm. County. They were in um, Olive Hill area before in LA in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Of course. Of course, you know. Um, And Mm. so shit's, pretty good for Ruth and May. Um, except, of course, you know, some stuff starts to happen when you are in a cult or created your own cult, whichever you want to do. So Ruth, or no, 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 May and her younger husband, so this is the mom, and her younger husband, who is described as being... How many did she have? Oh, right. (laughs) I think it's just the one. I just think it's that he was younger, not. Anyways, Ah. her, quote, exotically mustachioed husband, whose name was Ward Sitton Blackburn. Uh, They nicknamed him the North Star of the World. Leads oh, <laughs> cult members to that. build cam- cabins on the Simi Valley property where cult members started to live and awaited the return of Christ and the finish of this book. They constructed a temple on the property with a gilded throne that was reserved for Jesus whenever he comes back. Uh, the cult mm-hmm. members that lived on the property were told to go work at a nearby tomato packing house. And when they're like, just turn over all of their money to Ruth and may. And then at nine, this sounds a lot like the cult from in Austin. That was a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're, yeah. Like a modern day sandwich shop. Um, Mm -hmm. In the evenings, the members would put on their robes, go out for rituals in their natural amphitheater and like sacrifice mules and dogs and, you know, whatever they could get their hands on. There was a lot of other weird shit happening. Um, 
nude dancing, all the typical things you think of when people are talking about a cult. Uh, But people start to kind of die, unfortunately. Uh, There was a woman who, from what I read, she was in a wheelchair. She couldn't speak. I don't think. And the Ruth and May were like, we're going to heal you. We made this kind of like cool sauna might be an oven. You go, we're going to put you in this. And they basically cooked this woman trying to uh, fix her blood malady. And she died. There were... Uh, There was Ruth's husband, Samuel Rizzio, who was apparently a dick. And at one point they got into a fight with each other and he hit her. And then he just mysteriously disappeared. And everyone was like the next day, like, what's up, Ruth? Where's Samuel? And she's like, oh, weird. I don't know. (laughs) That was a good call. That's some good call stuff. So... On New Year's Day, 1925, 16-year-old, 16-year-old cult member, Willa Rhodes, dies from a severe infection. I read it was possibly diphtheria, um, but a result of a really bad toothache. Uh, May is like... Well, yeah, there's a few different accounts of what it could have been. Um, May is like, what's up, Willa's parents, who were not her biological parents. I read foster parents. I read step parents. Um, Anyways, her parents are like, oh, my God, we're so bummed. And May is like, you know what? Don't (laughs) even fucking worry about it. Because after I finish writing this book, within however many days it's been since it's been 1260 uh we're gonna fucking resurrect her and they're like oh no shit well then i don't feel that bad and she's like yeah all you have to do is keep her body preserved and they're like cool so for 14 months they have willa's body on ice going through like pounds and pounds and pounds of ice trying to keep her body preserved and then they realize like after 14 months they're like this is kind of too hard can we just like put some spices and salt on her kind of mummy style and maybe put her in a a (laughs) copper lined coffin and maybe like you know i don't know even like bury her not bury her but put her under the floorboards of our house and they're like yeah that'll be way easier than buying hundreds of pounds of ice every (laughs) week to try and keep her cool because refrigeration wasn't really a thing back in the 1920s um And that's what they did. <laughs> Casual. Can't we just do this elaborate yeah. other thing? Can sure. we just yeah, do that? Cool. And so they put her under the floorboards <laughs> in her copper lined coffin next to her in a separate coffin. They put the, they sacrifice seven dogs that are supposed what? to represent the seven tones of the angel Gabriel's trumpet. So I don't think so. That's a fucking bummer. I fucking hate all of this. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's stupid. And by like 1929, you remember Dabney, that uh, oil guy's nephew that I mentioned who gave them 50 grand. He's fucking yeah. pissed because it has been a really long time. Where is the book? Seems to be mm. no progress. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to court because you mm. haven't fulfilled your side of the deal. He files charges of fraud and theft against May and Ruth for as much as $200,000, which would be around $3 million today. Because not right. only had he given him that money, like lots of people had given them other money. He gave them that land, whatever. And he's like, also, you know what? I can prove that they've been doing fucky shit and people have been disappearing. And guess what? There's a 16-year-old girl under the floorboards of this house down the road <laughs> if you just go and look for it. And the cops are like, all right, well, let's go fucking check it out. And so yeah. the cops go down. Sure enough, the parents are like, oh, yeah, she might be under the floor. And they go <laughs> uh, find Willa buried or willa in her copper lined coffin and they're like wow uh she looks pretty uh you know well put together considered she considering she died like five fucking years ago and they're like yeah well you know i mean we kept her on ice for 14 months and then we wrapped her in a bunch of salt and spices and did all this mummifying <laughs> stuff because we thought that she was going to be resurrected uh that hasn't happened yet i don't really know maybe it has to deal with the same thing that this other guy's pissed about and they're like okay well we've got this ammunition uh dabney had also said that three or four other people had been killed by the cult. But from what I've read is that one of them, Harleen Satoris came to the great 11 after being released from an asylum in Oregon. And she died mm. from gastric illnesses on the cult grounds. So not from something, not getting murdered as far as we know. A woman named Catherine yeah. Bowles was never found. That was one of the people mm -hmm. he listed. She might not have even existed. There are no records of her anywhere. Um, okay. There was a girl named Addie McGuffin who he was like, <laughs> she's gone also. And she re-showed up in the 30s and decided to join the cult again. Um, that's the oh woman that's real? Of the last yeah, two. the MacGuffin is real. MacGuffin. The MacGuffin is real. And the and shows up again for the sequel. Yes, awesome. shows up for the sequel. And then the fourth woman was Frances Turner, the paralytic woman who couldn't speak, who did die when she was being treated for her blood. Um, and then got cooked. So in mm. 1930, May goes to court. She gets convicted on eight of 15 counts of grand theft. They did not charge her with any of the murder shit because they couldn't really prove any of it. Uh, she was out on bail until 1931. And it goes to the California Supreme Court. And they're like, you know what? This is fucking stupid. 
Dabney, you're just an idiot. And it's not necessarily May and Ruth's fault that you bought into their religion. And just because it's not panning Mm -hmm. out the way that you wanted it to doesn't mean that you can just sued basically to get your money back this is that's exactly what i was gonna say this whole time like yeah. i'm sorry but you might they're interested in the murders trust me but everything else is like that's on you man yeah that's on uh you. they yeah there wasn't any like guarantee sign no, and they or were, even if there was you're a dumb shit they said that why at worst all of those money victims suffered from their own bad judgment and the court cautioned that the approach used to prosecute those charges in May's case was a dangerous encroachment on religious freedom and was protected under the U.S. Constitution. And so they were like, this is all fucking thrown out. You're just stupid for getting involved in a cult. Sorry about it. Not... And uh, May is exonerated. Uh, Unfortunately, all the publicity around it um, made the cult basically entirely dissolve. And uh, in 19... Cancel culture. Yeah. Mm. Hey! Mm. Hey! In 1936, (laughs) she finally did publish a book. It wasn't the book that she told everybody she would publish. It was called The Origin of God. I guess nobody really gave a fuck about it. And then she died in L.A. in 1951. And that's it. I think I forgot to mention. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. So the cult, when whenever whenever Jesus comes back and the apocalypse happens, they said that what's left over is going to be ruled by 11 women who live in 11 different mansions in LA and just kind of rule over whatever's left over. And that Ruth and her daughter were going to be two of them. And I thought that was pretty fucking tight too. Real housewives. Yeah. Done. So yeah. That's the Black wow. Arm Cult. The the Great Eleven Club. Woo! That's... Why L.A.? <laughs> Gross. Oh, come on. Of course L.A. I mean, that's, failed, I, mean I guess... A failed actress who lures people into a cult in order to steal their money is, is all L.A. I mean, that's the literal economy of L.A. But you know what? Fucking A, yeah. dude. Fucking <laughs> L-A. Oh, there yeah. it is. We got a lot of play on yeah. words here. We do. We do. Our words We're... have been played with. Yeah, <laughs> they've been real slippery. There you go. Real so... slippery. Like an eel. <laughs> Maybe. Oh. Maybe. 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 Slick as <sighs> not. Guys. We did it. So they just were out there killing. Where were they getting the dogs? Ugh, whatever. I don't know. I read dog yeah, corpses, and then I read one that said puppies, which was sadder. So I didn't say puppies. Mm. I said dogs. But now I've said it, so <laughs> well, I'm we sorry. Got, we did get there. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we're now we're ending on our usual bummer. Now. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we're not. I will call this episode Dead Puppies and oh make people God, wait until please, the end to no, figure out why. No one will want to listen to it if it's called Dead Puppies. I wouldn't. <laughs> no. no, it should be called like Slippery as a Nail. Yes, Live Puppies. Mm-hmm. Free puppies. Free puppies. <laughs> Free puppies. Happy puppies. All dogs go to heaven. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> it was like a Robin Williams moment. A little bit. It was. A little bit. It is in Revelations that all the dogs do go to heaven. Mm. 11, 19. There you go. I believe her. The eighth seal. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> the eighth seal. Yeah, I'm just making shit up. Well, thanks for listening. Seal team. Be good. Yeah. Be good. Follow us at at Weird Brunch Everywhere and uh, have a good day. I don't know. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your fucking life, man. Lisa meant it when she said that. You could tell. Mm Mm-hmm. I care.